It's been a really special joy to be uh, in this part of the Bible that I had never taught before. Uh, we call them the minor prophets. And uh, we've been teaching on the major truth from the minor prophets. And uh, we've been building a sort of a gallery of these guys that are from the clean pages of your Bible. Uh, and the gallery uh, looks like this. There we go. And we're going to continue to build that. You can see we're getting a little further down the list uh, each, each weekend and uh, seeing more and more. Uh, I, I was thinking a little bit like it's kind of like having a diet that's really heavy in bitter herbs and stuff. Some people really like that. Um, but I, I also find every time in every one of these uh, prophetic books... Then there's this glimpse, there's this shining gem, there's this moment of hope that's lifted up. And I'm so grateful for that uh, as we go through the prophets. So we've come now to Zephaniah. It's not as hard to say as some of the other names. Uh, the name is interesting. It means Yahweh has hidden or Yahweh has treasured or defended or hidden by God. It's really an amazing name to say that uh, I'm hidden in Yahweh. I'm defended by Yahweh. He probably needed it because of the message that he brought. It was a message of judgment and encouragement, and we're going we're gonna to get to that. Uh, but his message could not have been popular. He was announcing a lot of destruction. Zephaniah has been said to be the prophet of impending judgment and distant hope. So we, we want to not miss the distant hope, and I'm actually going to focus on that uh, in this study of this particular book. But let's look and try to understand who Zephaniah was. Zephaniah actually gives us the longest lineage of any prophet. Um, it says that he was the son of Cushy. That means he grew up in kind of a Cushy home. He probably got that all the time. Yeah. So... Son of Cushi and son, uh, and the son of uh, the son of Gedaliah and the son of Amariah and the son of Hezekiah and that's the important name that sounds familiar because he uh, was uh, the one of the kings of of Judah he was the fourteenth king of Judah and he's in that heritage he's the only prophetic uh, writer in in this part of the Bible with royal blood. So it's kind of a big deal that he has this royal blood. Usually they weren't royal guys that were coming in. In fact, they were coming in to the royals to say, hey, you need to shape up because the way you're treating God and treating people is really, really bad. So Zephaniah prophesied during the reign of Josiah. And we're going to think a little bit about him for a little while. Uh, he's the king of Judah um, in 640 to 609. Uh, and it, it begins in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, uh, the king of Judah. And probably it was near the end of Josiah's rule around 622 B.C. Uh, that Zephaniah was writing. So let me remind you, I know it's the history lesson of the week, but Israel in the north had fallen uh, to the Assyrians in 722. So just think about it. If your nation divided, and we've had a divided nation before, and now the north is just gone. It's gone. And I mean, and, and it's horrible because they're, they're, they're scattered. They are the 10 lost tribes. The northern 10 tribes are gone. 
And, and, it, and it's horrible. Like maybe we should like get this wake up call about doing the right thing by God and listening to what he says. And, and so uh, he's during this time, the fall of Judah in the south was coming um, in, uh, and it's a, a span of 19 years. A lot of people are pointing to that number 19 currently, you know. But from 605 to 586 is when the fall of Judah is happening, uh, the invasion and then the exile. And it seems like the worst possible thing that could happen. But actually God takes Judah out and creates Judaism over uh, in the exile in Babylon, actually in Iraq. I mean, that's where it happens. And then they get sent back. It's an amazing miracle that God does. Josiah is credited as a good king. So he's prophesying uh, in a time with a good king. If you've ever studied the kings, you go, it goes like this. Good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king. Bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king. (laughs) It kind of runs like that. But uh, Josiah was one of the good kings. He's very interesting because he became a king when he was eight years old. Can you imagine? I mean, and this was a powerful nation. Uh, he didn't really start running things till later. So who was running things when he was eight years old? We don't know exactly. Uh, but when he was about 16, he started seeking God, the God of his father, David. And he just grew and grew in his relationship with God. Uh, and then when he was about age 20, he took hold of the leadership and he, he did a lot of reforms. He died when he was only 39, Josiah, and uh, he instituted a lot of religious reforms. Uh, and the biggest is probably that he compiled the Hebrew scriptures while they were trying to rebuild some things in the temple. They started finding scriptures hidden away. And so he started uh, putting them all together and building our Bible Uh, It's just an an amazing thing. Uh, The scripture says of of Josiah that he walked in all the ways of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left hand. He was very righteous in his walk. And he's in the genealogy of Jesus. So it's very interesting that we see this. Now, Zephaniah, our prophet, grew up in a horrible time under the father and the grandfather of Josiah. So things had gotten better, but they had been really bad. Josiah's grandfather and grandfather, uh, grandfather and father had instituted idolatry, child sacrifice, and unjust killings of people. Uh, they had built their own places of worship called high places. And then they also started bringing idols into the temple. It's like the worst possible things as an offense toward God. Now, there were reforms under Josiah, but judgment was still coming upon Judah. Sometimes it's too little, too late. And actually, we see this bigger plan that's going on. And I'll tell you about that. You know, what it reminds us of is this truth that if we make a mockery of worship uh, as we continue to sin, it's a very, very dangerous thing. And judgment is going to come on that. Um, And it may be just that we come with a religious face and we don't really confess and really repent. I loved our worship tonight because it was a call into repentance. Come to the altar and uh, his arms are open wide. Whatever's been going on, come to the Lord. Uh, Come to the Lord Jesus. 
Um, we may get into a thing where we just sort of settle into a comfortable pattern of sin. We say, well, I think God's okay with my sin. God's never okay with your sin. God's never okay with your sin. He, he's given so much to free you from sin and to cover that sin. Um, and it's easy for us to make an excuse by comparison. I'm not as bad as other people. I know I sin, but... And we get into the, these... And it really, it leads to a complacency, which he addresses. Um, and God, what we need to know is that God takes my relationship with him, my relationship with him, very seriously. Your relationship with him, very seriously. I was reminded when I was digging in on this of Galatians chapter 6. It's a familiar passage that says, do not be deceived. In other words, don't lie to yourself. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows or plants, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, Zephaniah is interesting because he, he is, I've called some of them scorching prophets. He's a blistering prophet. He uses the term, however, the day of the Lord more than any other book in the Old Testament. So he's talking really about a judgment that we've studied. It's, it's what we studied in the book of Revelation. The day of the Lord when everything ultimately is going to be destroyed and then born again and, and recreated. There's going to be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, he prophesied also the restoration of humanity in the future. So we, we don't want to miss that. The day of the Lord would be this huge destruction, but it would also be a destruction of, uh, of Judah by Babylon. And so he's announcing that that's coming, and they're tied together. But ultimately, the day of the Lord, this time of wrath and judgment, would bring blessing to God's people. Now, it's hard to see that, but it does. We saw it in Revelation. We move toward a time of blessing. You know, a lot of people, they point to the things that are in Zephaniah as definitely pointed to the second coming of Christ, but it also had to do with the judgment that was coming at that time. Now, a lot of times when we st have studied these uh, prophets, we've read through these dire judgments these kind of horrible things uh, announced by the prophet. And then eventually we get to this redemptive moment or these redemptive verses. And, um, and that's, we say, oh, hallelujah, that that came. But uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to uh, begin at the end of the story, at the picture at the end. You know, we often have this phrase, begin with the end in mind, and it's, uh, it's a Stephen Covey, and it's strategizing. It's so good. If you don't have a target, you'll never hit it. And so you begin with the end in your mind, but it's so important in the study of Scripture. Friends, I don't think we would have ever gotten through the book of Revelation if we didn't begin with the end in mind and know where we're going because, boy, is that ever blistering as we go through tribulation and all those things that we studied. So eventually we're going to get there. Um, but I'm going to begin with a reading that's from uh, the, the sort of glorious moment in this book of, of prophecy. So I invite you to um, uh, give your hearts and your minds to the word. Listen carefully as the Lord speaks among us. 
uh, beginning in verse 14 of chapter 3. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the parts that are hard, the, the, the pieces that feel bitter, but I also thank you for the, the moments of joy and rejoicing that we find. And God, speak to us out of these texts and help us understand the big picture. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When we begin with the end in mind, we, we find this sevenfold blessing I was just amazed as I just pulled it apart. It's a sevenfold blessing. Listen to it again. We will be called to rejoice in that day. And you know, I, I, sometimes I, I, I listen to the news too much and I, I listen to people around me and the struggles that are going on and I hear news about people that are sick and those who have died. And it's hard to think about rejoicing. But he says that in that day we are called to rejoice and the Lord is going to take away the judgments against you by the way, that means the judgments, you know, when people have been judgmental of you, but also the judgments where you've judged yourself, and, and those are going to be taken away. The Lord will clear away your enemies, the, the obstacles that have been in your way, the things maybe that you've even built yourself that have kept you from moving where he wants you to be. You shall never fear evil again. Someone say hallelujah. This is an amazing promise and blessing. Your hands will not grow weak. I can use some of that some days. Anyone else with me? And the Lord will be in your midst as a victorious warrior. We're going to look at that. Now, that's why we wanted to sing, uh, sing that song uh, this weekend, Mighty Warrior, and, and that he is mighty to save. Uh, he will rejoice over you and quiet you by his love. And those go right together. It's an amazing promise. So this is the big picture. This is the big picture. But how do we get there? And, um, and so I want to give you three things, one out of each chapter. The first is the, this simple truth. It's all through scripture, but it's so important. Recognize that God is sovereign in his judgment of all nations. God's got it under control. Boy, I mean, today when we see what's going on around our globe, when we see what's going on among the nations, we need to know more than ever that God is sovereign in his judgment of the nations. Amen. And, and we need to, to claim that and receive that. And, and it doesn't matter if you're rich or, or if you're poor. Zephaniah 1 uh, has this statement, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. 
in the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end uh, he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. It's speaking of this day of the Lord. The wicked will be punished and the righteous will be vindicated and God blesses those who repent and trust in him. The second thing we want to be sure and get from Zephaniah is in chapter 2. And that is to know that if we seek the Lord in humility, we will be sheltered. It's an amazing promise. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. And there's a a sense of shelter and hiding there. It's a call to repentance. It's a call to humility. And, And it's required. We're required to humble ourselves and do his just commands. We're called to seek righteousness and humility. Uh, that we may be hidden and sheltered in him. And then the third is this magnificent moment where we understand that the Lord is with you, this promise, and he is mighty to save. Say that with me, mighty to save. It is so powerful. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you. With his love, he will rejoice over you with singing. And the New American Standard translates this, that he is a victorious warrior. What's amazing is how these fit together. He's a victorious warrior. I mean, it's a picture of just a mighty warrior. And then it says, but he will delight over you. I mean, it's like they don't even fit together. The mighty warrior is going to delight over you. It can even be translated dance over you, rejoice over you, uh, have joy over you. It's an amazing thing. And he will quiet you by his love. You just have this this image of the warrior (laughs) taking his arms around the believer, his arms around Judah, his arms around you. And quieting. You know, sometimes we need some quieting. I don't know about you. But sometimes th- things are so so crazy in the world and it just feels like, oh my goodness, you know, this is all inside of me. And he says, this is the promise to quiet you. The mighty warrior will quiet you. And then he will exult over you with singing. He will sing over you. It's like it doesn't even fit together, but of course it fits together because this is the Lord who's singing over you, who's exulting over you, who's dancing over you. This is the end picture. He is mighty to save. But how do we pursue that place of righteousness? And there's one thing that Zephaniah points out that is really important for us not to miss. We don't want to rush through. I'm going to call it by this phrase, the peril of complacence. And we find it in chapter 1, in verse 12. He says, at that time, I will search, this is the Lord speaking through Zephaniah, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. It's like I can almost see him with a flashlight, a really bright flashlight. 
I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are complacent. It's not talking about those who are super, super sinful or, or hideously idolatrous, but those who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. It, it, it has to do with that attitude that sometimes creeps in that none of this matters because uh, God's not going to do anything. God's not going to change anything. God doesn't care. That's why the word that's on our banner is care. To know that, oh no, God does care. God cares very, very much and he wants us to care. The, the image that he gives here is so amazing because um, it's translated in the NIV and also in KJV, King James. Uh, punish the, I will punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, neither good nor bad. Um, I had to look that up a little bit. I thought, now what are dregs? I mean, dregs are your coffee grounds or your tea leaves that are left behind. But in winemaking, I didn't know this, I don't make it wine, but in winemaking, and some of you may know about it, uh, the dregs are, are what's left uh, in the vat uh, when, when it's after fermentation. And actually, if you leave it too long, it thickens too much. And, and the phrase here is thickened like dregs on their wine. Um, and so just think about that. It's, it's a kind of... I don't know, disgusting sort of image, like wine left on its dregs. Uh, and the dregs are these remnants of, of, uh, that are left in the container, uh, the sediments or the crystals that could remain. But for the Hebrew word, it means thickened or curdled. It's kind of gross uh, when I think about it. I mean, whether you like wine or not, the liquid becomes, I read, uh, syrupy, bitter, and unpalatable. And what what is being described here, uh, the Lord is bringing through Zephaniah, is that the people of Judah are as thickened or curdled dregs. Say yuck. I don't want to be like that in my life. You know, if we put it into this, it's a spiritual application, and it teaches us that spiritual complacence is that complacence that goes through the motions of religion and worship, but does not hear and believe the word or believe that God makes a difference. I phrase that a little bit different in your notes, but I've been trying to kind of hone that a little bit. Complacence is when we come to the place where we say, well, God's not going to do anything. Sometimes we, we can be really quiet about that. We just say, well, I've, pr I've prayed and prayed and, I, and God hasn't answered, so I'm just not going to pray anymore. Or it might be that we just say, well, God's not going to do anything, so I'm going to do whatever I want. God's word doesn't really matter. It's a kind of stubborn indifference uh, that comes from a polluting of the world in our lives, in our hearts, a hardened stubbornness. And we don't want to be in that place. They had come to this place where they didn't even think that, that Yahweh could do as much as their self-made images. They had these little idol things they were putting on high places. Well, I'm going to believe in that instead of Yahweh, instead of God. So the major truth 
that, that I would uh, lift out of Zephaniah is this, that God wants an authentic relationship with you that is not crusty or complacent. In that place of humility, we will find shelter and protection from the mighty warrior. He will defend you. But that's the place. So the question, kind of the internal question for me is, have I allowed my spirit to become curdled or thickened like that crust and it becomes bitter and unpalatable to the Lord? Because if that's happened, then we're in a place where we, we must repent. You know, we, we must turn back to the Lord and seek shelter in the Lord Almighty in righteousness and humility. And that's where we find the one who is mighty to save. I want to go back to um, this verse. I think I may be two slides ahead now. Okay, there we go. And uh, this verse 317 in the NIV says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I was reminded of this song by Jared Anderson. Uh, It's been around a long time, uh, but you may remember it. The words go like this. You dance over me while I am unaware. You sing all around, but I never hear the sound. Lord, I'm amazed by you. I'm amazed by you. I thought that we might close a little different, and I brought my guitar. I haven't played it much this summer, but I, I want to um, I want us to sing this song and sing it over us, over one another. I suspect that there are some folks who, you know, in the in the difficulties of this time, uh, really need to know that He is singing over us, uh, that He delights in us, that he rejoices in you, in what he created you for, and what he created you to be. So uh, I'm going to invite you to join me in just a moment as soon as I get a guitar here. I love this song. You dance over me. Do you remember this? It's been a long time. While I am unaware, you can join me. You sing all around, but I never hear the sound. Lord, I'm amazed. I am a 
felt the hurt in families as they have suffered through disease. We've had the losses of jobs and God, we just pray now for blessing, great blessing among your people and over your people and over our land. God, touch us in just the place that we need it. Perhaps the brokenness of our heart or grief that we have struggled with and God, touch us and make Thank you for the mighty warrior who comes to sing over us, to dance over us, and then to hold us and to quiet our spirit and to give us his love. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're so blessed that you're here this weekend. We'll be going in just a minute and... uh, We're so glad that you have joined us either by live stream or here in person. Uh, We do have our offering opportunities as you get ready to go today. I keep looking on my list and realizing that uh, we only have a few left. So I hope that you'll see us uh, next weekend. And we'll be talking about Haggai. It has nothing to do with your eyes, okay? But we're blessed uh, as we continue to study God's Word. I invite you to stand once again. And if you're here for the first time, we'd love to meet you. And if you want to hang around and just greet someone and express love to them, that's a good, good thing. Let us go forth in the name of Jesus, the mighty warrior, the mighty warrior. And let's go forth knowing that he has our hearts gently held in his hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.